and welcome to the Changing Directions Filmmaker podcast series presented by 206.com. I am your host, Mark Morin, and I'm speaking with filmmaker Michelle Hasue, who recently completed a successful fundraising campaign for her latest project, a documentary called Nurse Unseen. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to be here. Oh, thank you. Great to have you. Appreciate it. Now, the story of Nurse Unseen, and I got this straight from the Kickstarter page, tells the history and humanity of the unsung Filipino nurses risking their lives on the front lines of a pandemic thousands of miles from home. First, let me say congratulations on the Kickstarter campaign. What an amazing achievement. I was so excited seeing that play out. I appreciate that so much. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as I mentioned, I was following along during the last few days and it was making me emotional to see the amount of support that came in and all of you and your team's posts in response to the support. So tell me about the experience from creating the campaign to hitting that button to make it go live and then all of these happy emotions as you cross the finish line. It's such a fresh experience. So we just completed our goal last week. So it's very unreal in my mind. Doing a crowdfunding campaign is always incredibly intense and it's very hard. And I've done two in the past for my first film, Matt Shepard is a friend of mine. But what I took away from that experience was how it became such a meaningful, communal, beautiful, opportunity to get in touch with people who would go on and be advocates and real champions for the film. And you create this really rich, passionate community. And for this film, being it so um, personal to all of us and such an important project, I really wanted that same experience for our team and for, and for Nurse Unseen. So even though we knew it was going to be tough, we thought, you know, we should just do it and give it a chance, you know? So it was just a really intense 30 day experience. And the beginning of it, I was, we were filming even. So it was just like very intense, like filming and fundraising at the same time. Um, and I felt like, I don't know if you know the, the movie, The Social Network, but I felt like I was Mark Zuckerberg at the very end of that scene, just refreshing Kickstarter, like every minute, just to see a new <laughs> pledge and to see if we had any um, movement to get toward towards our 50k goal um we made it but for a stretch there it, it felt like oh my god maybe maybe we won't um but in the end you know we, we had faith and we pulled through and it was really just because of the power of community and how so many people willed it into fruition and just gave from a dollar to ten thousand dollars to make wow. it happen so it's um it's hard, but just, there's no words for how, how, how beautiful the experience is. No, that's amazing. And I, I would imagine that the stress of doing it and all of that part of it makes it that much more rewarding at the end as well. Yes, and I just felt like all this adrenaline just drained from my body. And I'm sure you saw my post where I had like real tears. Oh, yeah. like, so we were all like, so emotional, you know, just feeling um, just so much love, you know, all the posts, all the comments, all the donations. I mean, the financial aspect is one thing, but just to feel that tangible support, like over, you know, your phone, you know, right, right. it's so, it's so unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know if I've ever felt as emotionally attached to a movie that doesn't even exist yet. So, so you're still working on the movie. So it was a lot of fun watching that campaign. Now, I wanted to, to take you back to, you had posted a video of you actually hitting the button to make it go live. Like, tell me about, about that moment. Yes. So um, we were all together. Our um, co-producer flew in from Hawaii to be with us at that moment and also to be there for our filming. And it was her amazing idea to just capture, to just capture the very, very start of it. So yes, I was standing in the hospital parking lot and I was like, okay, I have it all primed and ready. All I have to do is press launch, you know? And it just feels like a very, like, small little gesture but we were all like really excited and glad that it, that moment was memorialized it felt very appropriate that for a fundraising campaign for a documentary you would document these like key moments in in the in the process so that, that was amazing to see thank you Thanks. Now, oh you're welcome now in the last year i've seen other films like far east deep south and the donut king that have gone down similar paths as your story that you're about to tell of uncovering Asian American history and Asian history within America. It's a history that really goes much deeper than what we've ever been told in history books. Now, this story, your story about Filipino nurses is obviously an important one to you. So why do you feel that no one has even gone down this road at all yet? And I'm not just talking about the pandemic's impact on the nurses, but there's a lot of history behind what you're putting into this film as well. That is such an insightful and amazing question. Thanks so much for asking, because I've asked myself this very thing like throughout the last like year or so. It's just um, like I've mentioned probably in the write up for the Kickstarter campaign, nursing is such an indelible part of my personal history and my family's history in a way how we were even how we all even came here. And I just feel like I took that for granted my entire life. You know, we had, I have an aunt, had an aunt, um, her name is Tita Dodo, and she was an oncology nurse at Children's Hospital. And she pretty much helped raise us. She was our second mom. Um, she lived with us and she passed away several years ago. And I realized with her, a large part of our family history had, had died as well. And I found myself just kind of kicking myself, like, why didn't I ask her more about what she did, you know, about her career, all these choices she, that she made. And maybe that's youth. And maybe it's just like growing up and reflecting a lot more about, you know, what my history, the type of stories I want to see in the world. Maybe it's all of that. But, you know, I, I don't understand why we haven't, I haven't looked into it earlier, but it's a, it, you know, I'm learning the more I looked into it, the more I was kind of unraveling it and seeing it from different perspectives. I was realizing that this is so rich and this, I can't believe that it hasn't been shown on film before. And I, I do want to shout out a few like other really great pieces about Filipino nursing that does exist, but there's not a feature length film that really um, touches on the history and how it's directly tied to our experiences today. And in light of the pandemic and what we've seen our community um, suffer through, it's an incredibly urgent, relevant film that needs to be told. And I'm very honored that um, that opportunity has fallen on my shoulders. 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. It's important that we learn these pieces of history, especially as within the last year, how we're discovering in a lot of ways, you know, within America of how much history hasn't been told and it's all been kind of steered a certain direction. So it's it's really, to me, it's very important that we start seeing these type of stories. So I appreciate that you were able to see that. And now you're like, hey, I, I need to get this story out there. Now, I know, as we talked about, you're still in the middle of production on this film, but when you first decided that you wanted to make this documentary, has it evolved and it gone? It sounds like it's gone a lot deeper than your original idea. Can you talk about that? Of course, and it might take a while, so bear with me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so after I, I finished Happy Jail in 2019, I was exhausted, but inspired to continue telling Filipino stories or stories that really center that experience and the Filipino-American experience. So I was kind of thinking again about my aunt. I wish I could do something to honor her. What would that look like? I don't really know. That's when I really started delving into the history of nursing and how Filipino nurses migrated here. And it's just going down that rabbit hole of um, colonization and all of that stuff. I um, came across this amazing book called The Empire of Care written by Dr. Catherine Siniza Choi that's been out for many years, but I only came across it in 2019. And when I cracked open that book, it was like the spark within me, like, oh my gosh, this is my history that I never knew, that I was never taught. So that was kind of the starting blocks. It was like thinking about my aunt, realizing that she was a much bigger, she was a small part in a much bigger, richer history. And then the pandemic hit. And, you know, we were all locked in our homes and, you know, I wasn't out in the field filming or anything. And um, I was thinking, wow, like, this is a story that, that is kind of born from the pandemic. You know, like I'm watching all the frontline heroes out there saving and caring for us. And so many of them are Filipinos. It just all started like, fitting in, it's all started uh, taking place in my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm starting to really see what, what we got here. And so I talked with my um, collaborator, Carlo Vallejo, about um, this project that whole year. And it was, you know, and it just kept evolving from those conversations. And then serendipitously, we teamed up with another filmmaking team, two Filipino um, nurses who are also producers, who are also thinking of doing a film highlighting the contributions and sacrifices of Filipino nurses during the pandemic. So we just came together. We had a big, you know, maybe like two or three Zoom meetings where we um, talked to one another and see and to see if there was room to collaborate as opposed to having competing parallel projects. And so long story short, like here we are. So we teamed up and we just realized like it would be better to um, work together to come up with a film that we feel could be so important for so many people. Yeah, the, the times have definitely influenced just about everything. And you know, one one of the things that I've, I've learned in these different conversations is that the pandemic and the shutdown actually created a lot, a lot of opportunities. You, know, you had mentioned having these Zoom conversations and the filmmakers that I've talked to, everybody's really said it gave time 
to think through what they were doing and, and look at it in different ways. So it sounds like you had a very similar experience over the last year. Yeah. I mean, during it, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was so anxious and, and fearful. And, and then sometimes, you know, like um, bored, you know, because I was so used to just going, going, going and traveling. But again, like you said, I looking back, I'm grateful for that period of reflection. And it allowed me to really take a deeper look into the type of stories that I want to make, why to be really intentional about that. You know, I don't think this film could have happened without that period of, of reflection and really watching what the world was going through. You know, we went through such an intense summer with Black Lives Matter that really kind of, I think, woke so many people up. And, you know, for me, even being aware of those types of issues, just being like, well, how am I participating in this? What type of stories am I telling and how and why? Like, how can I be an agent of, of change and furthermore understanding and bridge more, you know, like bridge communities together? I was asking a lot of these questions and it wasn't pretty. Like there were times where I'd be watching the news or, or the daily like press briefings and just be like inwardly like screaming or crying, you know, like, oh, why, why is the world like this? And um, you know, I, I am a doer and so I'm not good at just like sitting there and kind of like inwardly like complaining. I need to like do something. So as soon as we were able, you know, we got with our team and we we're like, we're at the door, we're going to start filming, we're going to make this thing. Wow. So yeah, the last year has definitely had a big influence. Now, you'd mentioned Black Lives Matter. We talked about the pandemic and just especially recently over the course of 2021, there's been the resurgence of racism and hate crimes against Asians and Asian Americans. Now, do you feel that that is also having an impact on how you're going to create this film moving forward as well? Absolutely. I don't think we would be telling the story, doing the story justice without talking about it. It's just so incredibly unjust to think that there's this subgroup of people, this large, this community of people who are risking their lives, taking care of us, yet they're being attacked on the streets in various ways. I mean, if you just stop and think about it, it <laughs> makes you want to cry. Like it's, right. it's so deeply, deeply upsetting. Yet it's a very, an, it's a very important part of the story. We would be remiss not to include it. So it, it definitely is, is part of, of the telling, but also to provide that context that this isn't like a new trend or, you know, a new happenstance, you know, violence against Asian Americans have been happening from the very beginning of our, of our time here in this country. So it's really just outlining that context, sharing um, how it set the stage for what's happening today. And then, you know, we're speaking to, unfortunately, nurses who have been attacked or discrimi discriminated against and just highlighting what that experience was like for them um, so people can feel that empathy and understand where they're coming from a little bit more. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you're able to speak to some of these folks, really to give them a face and give them a story and, and really show, hey, these are human beings just like everybody else. And this this is what's happening. So I'm, I'm glad you're taking that approach as well as that historical context. Now, what are you seeing, well, I guess, recently within the film industry that gives you hope for the future? I've, I'm seeing a lot of amazing stories from filmmakers of all different backgrounds, you know? It's as simple as that, just like 
just a lot more stories that center people that aren't white or cisgender or um, you know what you're used to seeing in the mainstream. I don't even know like where it started, but like I think the trend, at least for the Asian experience, Crazy Rich Asians is is a is a movie that we can we can look to as really kind of kicking it off. Um, so that's been very inspiring. I've recently become a member of the Filipinx filmmakers group on Facebook, and there's a Filipinx editors group on Facebook. For a long time in my career, I've kind of felt very alone and just didn't realize that there were other Phil Ams <laughs> out there in the industry. Like I didn't see any, so it it was it's just like been so cool to realize that there's just this whole community of asian filmmakers filipinx filmmakers out there really making a name for themselves um and creating stories that center us you know and it's one thing to have this is kind of like a side a side tangent but it's one thing to have a story about the asian experience but it's another to have it told from you know an asian filmmaker yeah, you know it's it becomes more authentic it becomes more nuanced and and i can't even articulate like how what that difference feels like it's just like something that you feel in your soul and i feel those types of films are really coming out now and it really really excites me no, that's a really good thing that you bring up right there. I was actually just watching a Q&A with some of the creators of Raya and The Last Dragon. And one of the things that they talked about, a couple of the writers, was how it was so essential for them for food to be a, a primary part of that story. Because in the Southeast Asian cultures, food is such a major thing. And they really wanted to make sure that that was well represented and featured within the movie. So yeah, I think that the reason I bring that up is because I feel like that speaks on what you're saying is just those subtle differences of representation and how culture is seen that, that maybe somebody else not so plugged in, you know, from that type of background would understand to make part of the story. So that, that's really good insight. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, thank you for articulating it so much more clearly <laughs> than I, but yes, that's exactly it and cumulatively it just i don't know it just makes you feel validated yeah. you know no absolutely now who has been the biggest influence on you as a filmmaker oh my goodness <laughs> you would think this is a question i would just have like locked in, the <laughs> in. <laughs> i i don't really um let me think well i love errol morris's work hmm. If you're familiar with Errol Morris, the documentarian, we studied him in, in college. And back then I was really leaning more towards narrative films, you know, um, th that was a thing in the, in the like late 90s and the early aughts, like just all these like really cool, really hip indie films that are really like written. I think that was like the, the heyday of like Tarantino where uh -huh. like dialogue was king. And I was really excited about by those films, but learning about Errol Morris's work, it kind of blew my mind because I didn't think documentary could be that cinematic and that provocative. Um, and he has such a interesting like visual language and um, the way the films are edited, it just, yeah, I would say his work is, has been incredibly influential. And um, when there are periods when I'm not working on a project, I'll revisit certain films like A Thin Blue Line and just kind of like dissect it and, and you know, refresh my memory. So his, his work 
really has inspired me. And a lot of my documentaries are so found, and you'll appreciate this being someone who interviews people. The interviews are so foundational to, to the work and he's an amazing interviewer. So I, I'm just watching his films and, and watching like Q and A's that he's done. It really is informed like how I run my interview sets, like how I talk to my subjects and, and how I'm able to create like a, a, a safe environment in which they can open up and, and tell me these really amazing, like vulnerable stories about their lives. So I guess I would say him, yeah. Absolutely, that's a, a great person to have as a, a, I guess, a role model and somebody to influence you. And I'm glad you mentioned Tarantino in there as well, because he's honestly one of my favorite all-time directors. So I, I had a little uh, yes moment when you mentioned his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah his... I mean, I'm a 90s kid for yeah. sure. So like watching <laughs> Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, I was like, oh my God, you can yeah. do that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting what you were saying about documentaries as well, because before I really started getting into film festivals and what I do as a film critic, I never really was that drawn to documentaries. But once I started watching them, they're really some of the most interesting and entertaining types of films that you'll find out there. One, because they're true stories for the most part, and also just the way stories can be told, like you were mentioning of just how they're created, how the conversations happen. It's, it's very uh, even inspiring to me of, of seeing these documentaries. And I, I'm glad that I've become more of a documentary person. So I'm glad you kind of mentioned along that lines as well. Now, who inspires you that's not a filmmaker? I mean, the Obamas, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Matthew Shepard's mom, his whole family, they really inspire me just because of their, I don't know if you're familiar with their story, but my first film, Matt Shepard is a friend of mine, was a personal documentary about um, Matt's life and death and his legacy. And, you know, he was murdered in 1998 because he was gay. Um, he was kidnapped and tortured and, and tied to a fence. So I, I admire his family, and particularly Judy, his mom, because of her grace and also because of her relentlessness in the pursuit of justice and love and how her love has been so enduring over all this time. So yes, she, she would be one of my heroes for sure. Yeah, I, I saw that you had made that documentary. I haven't had an opportunity to watch it yet, but it's definitely something I, I want to see. It's very, it's still to this day, unfortunately, a timely, timely topic. So thank you for bringing that up. Now, speaking of films and series that you've made, you had mentioned earlier, Happy Jail. So talk about that. That is available on Netflix that people can watch right now. You know, I feel I should bring that up since people cannot watch your project that you're working on right now. So let's give a moment to something that people can watch. So let's talk about Happy Jail for a minute. Sure. I mean, you can also watch Matt Shepard is a friend of mine on Amazon Prime. And then my recent project, Happy Jail, is a five-part original documentary series that's on Netflix. Um, so Happy Jail came about, I guess the origins of that was in 2009, 2010, when I, like the rest of the world, came across this viral YouTube video of hundreds, if not a thousand, um, Filipino inmates dressed all in prison orange dancing uh, to Michael Jackson's Thriller. And I loved that video and I loved how it was so uniquely Filipino and really spoke to <laughs> the Filipino spirit, you know, 
first like dancing and not just like mailing it in like they were like crushing it <laughs> you know but Man. then like that inside like inside a jail you know and it was these are all like criminals um alleged criminals you know murderers rapists thieves a lot of um like uh petty crimes and stuff but they were all like mixed together just dancing so so wonderfully and i was like oh man this is so filipino i just want to know more you know but it was only um when matt shepherd as a friend of mine was more like on was able to kind of like self-sustain itself and i wasn't constantly out there on the road that i was able to switch focus and really um start working on this project because when i saw that video I was like, this is something that, you know, we need to learn more about that yeah. deserves to have like a film made about them. So yeah, in 2016, we did a spec shoot. I contacted the, the consultant who was in charge of the prison on Facebook and said, oh, wow. I'm going to be visiting the Philippines. I'm coming to Cebu. Is there any chance I can I can visit? And he was like, sure, like, come on down. It was as easy as that. Wow. Um, so I started a relationship with him in the, in the prison back then in 2016 or even maybe that trip was was a few years before that actually and then in 2016 we started filming about two weeks before President Duterte took office and then you know we intended just to make a feature film looking at the dancers and how this dance program is possible in this jail but it really just quickly became so much richer and became something so much more. Um, we were just seeing the effects of the war on drugs kind of close in on these prisoners and, you know, the dancing program and everything. And we just sort of watched this happy jail, which is what they they called it, happy jail kind of implode, you know, from one that was happy to one that was, you know, pretty much in crisis by the by the end of the, of the series. So I'm really, really proud of that project. It was really also a very intense experience, but I'm glad that it exists and that we captured, you know, this historic moment in time, like through this very specific lens of the jail and of people all over the world can be embedded in the story and watch it. Wow, that's amazing. And full disclosure here, I, I haven't watched that one yet either, but I do have it on my Netflix queue now. That might be some of my week, weekend <laughs> viewings. So thank you for expanding on that. That sounds like a like it would be an amazing, amazing thing to watch. So I hope everybody tunes in on that on Netflix. Now, going back to your documentary, as we talked about, the Kickstarter campaign for Nurse Unseen is over, although there's still a lot of work to do before the film itself is actually complete. So what are the next steps for you? And is there anything else people can do to support the film during this upcoming production schedule? Thank you for asking that. So we started filming in California because that's where I was based. Um, so we've done a lot of the interviews and um, filming here in Los Angeles and the Bay Area, but we're now switching focus to New York. So Wednesday of this week, I'll be flying there and we'll be there till the end of the month, really with a very, busy, busy, busy schedule where we're going to meet with hospital administrators, frontliners, all types of people, um, restaurateurs, everyone who can speak to the experience of New York at that time, you know, because it was the epicenter of um, the pandemic here in the U.S. You know, a side note, we really had to put some sort of structural parameters around the project because 
everybody knows a nurse, everybody has a story to tell. So we decided to just focus on California and New York as the two areas in the U.S. with the highest concentration of Filipino nurses. So we'll be filming throughout this month and a little bit throughout the summer. And I'm editing at the same time, which is new to me, but it's because we have this accelerated timeline where we want to start submitting to film festivals at the end of the year for hopefully like a premiere in the film festival circuit in the beginning of 2022. Just because I think it's a story that's really, really urgent and needs to be seen now. So it's a little bit stressful and crazy, but I think we're going to make it work. And I have an amazing team, you know, working beside me just to make sure that that happens. And yes, the Kickstarter campaign has ended. Um, but we do have a fiscal sponsor, which is amazing. And um, people have been messaging us and asking how they can continue to, to donate and support, which is lovely. So we'll be setting up a website very shortly with a donate button. And with the fiscal sponsorship, those donations will be tax deductible. And then in the meantime, just, you know, people can follow us on social media and get those, you know, up-to-date <laughs> updates on all our filming adventures where I'm probably dancing or crying <laughs> or, you know, what have you. Like, we'll, we'll try to share it all because I think it's a, it's a really meaningful thing to share, like, all these little moments in the making of the long journey of the film. I think it's, it's special for me when I'm able to see that with other projects and it's one that I want to create for other people as well. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And I'll have the social media links put in the webpage for this interview so people will be able to, to follow you from there. So thank you for explaining that. I noticed on the Kickstarter page, you had mentioned or whoever wrote that up mentioned that it's primarily uh, the team is almost all Filipino uh, men and women. Can you talk about that a little bit of telling this story about Filipino nurses from that perspective as well? I mean, just to think about it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> like how cool is it that we have a majority Filipino team telling a truly Filipino story? Yeah. And you know, two of our producers are nurses themselves. It's incredible. And it wasn't exactly, um, I, I don't wanna say it was intentional, maybe it was, you know, but um, you know, we didn't like set out to exclude anybody. It just kind of like happened like that, you know? So my producing partner, Carlo, he's um, Filipino, but he's, he's from Australia and he recently um, immigrated to New York. And then we have our other two producers, Joe Arciaga and Arlene De La Pena, who are filmmakers and producers and nurses and also army veterans. So they lend a really unique experience to the project so they're always and I think that's really key you know we, we can't tell a film um, about a specific community without really having that voice on the team you know so I'm really glad that they're um, such an important part of, of, the, of the project and really advising us and, and telling us well you know we should not only have critical care nurses featured in the film what about nurses that work in nursing homes or respiratory therapists 
things like that, they'll, they'll let us know that we probably wouldn't have, maybe we'd have figured out on our own, but it's just really helpful to have their expertise and their voice. And then there's my sister. Um, she works with me on all my projects. So we like to keep it a family affair. <laughs> and our DP, one of our DPs, we have two. He's Filipino. I think he's from Toronto. And then our other DP, he's American, but his stepmom is, is Filipina. So that was an amazing like coincidence because we didn't know that. Like when we started filming, we only oh, wow. found that out later. So I was like, <laughs> Oh, so that's why, like, you know about Hopia and Lumpia and all this type of <laughs> Filipino food. So it's fun. It's fun because, yeah. like, I've never, like I said earlier, I felt like I was the only Filipino out here in LA struggling, you know, making my own short films. I had no idea that there was this vibrant, rich community that exists, you know? And so to be hooked in with all of these people is something I'm very grateful for. Now that's amazing. I love how you put it in those terms. And of course, food came up again, like we talked about it. It has to, right? <laughs> you're, you're making me hungry talking about lumpia. So, so yeah, thank you for, for going into that for a moment. Now, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you'd like to add into the conversation? Gosh, I can't really. <laughs> I think we covered a lot of material. Yeah, I just want, you know, want to thank you for, for reaching out and finding me and finding more about this project. You know, it's always like, such a hard endeavor to embark on making making a film and then fundraising the film it's like you almost have to start all over again <laughs> like every time you begin a new project so any type of connection or support whether it's financial or emotional or just liking posts and stuff like we feel it and we really appreciate it so I do I do thank you for for finding us and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about who I am the type of projects I make and especially about Nurse Unseen. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to, to have you here and I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, as I mentioned, I, I feel that this is a story that really needs to be told and it sounds like it's coming from the right place. So thank you for, for mentioning that as well. You know, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. You know, I, I wish you all the best to, to you and your team as you get to work on completing the film. And maybe we can speak again next year when, when you're getting into those film festival runs and, and people can start watching the film. That would be, that would be great. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you for being here. Bye. Thanks so much. This is the Changing Directions podcast series featuring Unseen Nurse Director Michelle Josue. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review on iTunes, and share on social media. Any way you can support the podcast is very much appreciated. You can find every podcast episode and all of my movie reviews on 206.com. Thank you for listening to the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com.